Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pack. Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life. I am Ryan Pack. If you're a first-time listener of this podcast, um, we are very happy to have you. If you are a repeat listener, welcome back to the show. Uh, before we get into the episode, I just wanted to give a quick plug for our website at SoundtrackYourLife.net. Uh, not only can you listen to the episodes there, you can also get a curated playlist of s- songs or bands that we mention on each episode. You can find our social media as well. Um, you can contact us at SoundtrackCast at gmail.com if you want to drop us a story or some comments from our first episode on the movie kids uh, my friend dan actually um, sent me an email saying that he was actually living in la at the time and had a friend who worked in the movie industry and he got him tickets to the premiere of kids at the new art in santa monica all he told me was that it was a modern day romeo and juliet but i knew larry clark was involved so i knew it would be twisted or provocative so here's the kicker. I was single at the time, so I asked the girl out on a date. And I assume it was the first date, and he said, um, holy hell, that was a rough ride home afterwards. <laughs> so I'd like to thank my friend Dan for that story. And he also uh, sent us samples, the actual uh, songs that the Folk Implosion sampled for the soundtrack. Uh, so we'd like to give a shout-out to my friend Dan. So check out SoundtrackYourLife.net. Today, we're going to talk about the movie Clueless, the 1995 Amy Heckerling-directed film. And f- to talk about it, I've got uh, Long Nguyen and Damon Gross, both from the band that I play in, Joy Luck Division. The band's all here. So hey, thanks, hey. thanks for being here, guys. Hey, Thanks for having me. Um, so... I just kind of want to set the the scene of 1995. I think it's important in the discussion of this film to discuss what MTV looked like in 1995. Um, So it's pre-TRL MTV, uh, which means that they're playing a lot of music videos still. Um, And not only just music videos, but a lot of classic rock bands are still relevant on MTV. So... You have Neil Young making videos. You have Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers um, world premiering videos on MTV. Bruce Springsteen is still making videos. Like They're not legacy acts yet, and they're using MTV to kind of keep that train going. And I think the band that might have benefited the most from MTV in 1995 or in the early 90s was Aerosmith. And a big part of their success was attributed to plucking Alicia Silverstone and having her star in, in their music videos. And it really like skyrocketed. I feel like both their careers at the time. Yeah. Is uh, who, who was uh, that? How Alicia Silverstone was discovered. How does a, how does a teenage uh, Alicia Silverstone find her way into an Aerosmith video? 
Um, so she was actually, um, she had actually done some small parts in TV. So she was actually in the Wonder Years. Hmm. Oh, wow. um, obviously, as like a guest, um, she wasn't part of the main cast. And then she starred in a movie called The Crush, which was mm. kind of an erotic thriller. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that film. Oh, yeah, I saw mm. that. Yeah, so after The Crush, um, Marty Kellner, who directed um, the Aerosmith video for Crying, uh, he's the one that basically decided that Alicia Silverstone needed to be in this Aerosmith video. And I guess the rest is kind of history. She ended up starring in a total of three. So there's Crying, Amazing, and Crazy. <laughs> so there's a trilogy of videos she did. I know Liv Tyler was at least in one of those videos with her. Yeah, I, I do. I remember that. Um, I, it, so it's Crying, it's Lying, and it's Crazy. <laughs> no, wait. Crying, Crazing, and Amazing. Crazing? Crazing. <laughs> like... Like the like the 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 snack treat craisins. Yes, you know, they, they cran- made a song called craisins. Cran raisins, cran raisins, cranberries, dried cranberries, craisins. Um, so Amy Heckerling, who ended up directing Clueless, saw these music videos and decided that she would be perfect for the lead. There was another side of MTV at this time. I know you brought up uh, Live. Tyler I remember like the flip side of MTV was like you've had the classic rock but then like the flip side I saw Liv Tyler I think it was on MTV like going record shopping in New York with Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth and that had to kind of be at this time I'd say too so I felt like we were like living in like these two worlds like the classic rock is like getting a lot of play but at the same time um, all of the underground artists are still making a play for um, for that for that uh, for that space as well. So in 1995, um, I am a teenager. Um, I had just moved to California like a year and a half before. So um, for me, Clueless was like really exciting because. I'm living in Southern California and there's this movie coming out about teenagers in Southern California. So, you know, it very much felt like it was directed at me. You know, it had Alicia Silverstone from the Aerosmith videos. And I, and I think she started doing those videos when she was like 15 or 16. So, you know, she's not one of these like 30 year olds playing a a 17 year old. Like she's like a 19 year old playing a 17 year old. But yeah, for me, it felt like kind of this, um, come, you know, it felt like everything checked all the boxes to be like, this is, this is a movie for me. You know, this is a movie about people like me. So you saw it in the theater, I, I, I imagine. Yeah, I, I saw it in the theater. I loved it. You know, I, I wasn't the popular kid or the affluent kid, but, you know, it was still a movie about teenagers in in southern california so it was it was quite a hoot for me to watch it yeah i saw it too i know i'm a little older and i would i wonder long did you see clueless in the theater no i think i was in college uh i think i was up at uc santa i may have seen it like a year after it had been released Uh, it was like at a a friend's house and i think at first i was kind of like oh 
okay, this is going to be interesting. But yeah, it turned out to be a great movie. And I, I didn't know about Amy Heckling and I didn't know that she had, you know, directed uh, Fast Time. So, but yeah, I was, I, I, I loved it too. Um, you know, of course, uh, I was in the ska band in, in Orange County. So it was uh, kind of a hoot to, to hear just a girl uh, by no doubt. Cause you know, we, we, my old band used to play with them quite a bit back in the day. So um, actually not, not, not that long ago, uh, like in the early nineties, but um, yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah. Didn't, don't you have like some tragic kingdom stories? Like didn't they use your keyboard or something on the recording of that? You know, they use, use our uh, keyboard players, uh, Hammond organ. So yeah, we, uh, uh, Eric Stefani was uh, a roommate or actually dated our drummer's roommate. So, um, so yeah, we used to see Eric quite a bit. What was your band's name? Uh, the knuckle brothers. So I, you're in college and Clueless comes out. You don't know that it exists. Um, I mean, by this time, like, uh, no doubt had probably already swept the nation. I believe, yeah, they were, yes, starting to, yes. That yeah, I think it was early that. enough in the Tragic Kingdom cycle where, like, they were starting to get played on the radio, but it, it wasn't, like, they weren't the, like, that album became huge, but it was, just at the beginning, I think, when, when um, Clueless came out. Yeah, I, actually, ni- 1995 was, was kind of an interesting year for me. Um, so, my, so the Knuckle Brothers, we, we were pretty popular Orange County ska bands. You know, we played with, you know, all these bands that, that made it, you know, um, like No Doubt and uh, Sublime. Um, I think some other um, say Ferris, well, real big, real big fish. Say Ferris, you know they they came, they, they a couple of those guys came came from our band. Uh, so when we broke up, a lot of so 1995 was pretty much when the band broke up, and then you know people went off to college and art school and stuff. And so it was kind of bittersweet for me, you know, like I had this, you know band that was pretty popular and that was like my my whole my whole social life you know for a good three you know good three years and uh and then now like in college you know i got to study i was like a bio major you know it just kind of it was quite the transition for me and then just to hear like no doubt you know in, in, on the radio or you know um say ferris or whatever on the radio and in, in movies, you know, I was just like, Oh man, <laughs> I felt like I it missed up. You know what I mean? I was like missing out like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't have broken up. Oh, yeah. That sucks. But yeah, it's uh, it was an interesting year for me for sure. It seemed like all of these things were all, um, all coming together all at the same time these uh the the ska revival i don't know long would that be like the second wave or the third wave i think this was like the third wave Um, so like third wave ska it's i was in southern california so like i was already going to see these bands like i had seen no doubt play already and 
um, these other bands that were that were kind of uh, in that scene, or at least it seemed to be like Sublime. And I mean, would you call Sublime ska? They had a little bit of ska, but they're mostly kind of that reggae kind of. Oh yeah, rock reggae. But yeah, that's another band that we used to play with quite a bit too. Uh, you know, back in the day, in those early the early nineties, um, they were from Long Beach. We were from Huntington, um, but yeah, there's the Money Mighty Boston's was was in the movie, and they're another ska band from what the Boston area. <laughs> yeah, they're from the East Coast. Yeah, that band. I, I the first time I heard of that band, they I think it was like a Converse commercial or something like that. Yeah, I think they were on a couple in a couple of commercials. Like they're like all wearing like plaid and then they have yeah. like plaid converse on and I'm like I don't even I don't know what this is. Yeah. Uh what's kind of cool about the soundtrack is that even though it didn't have like a big hit, I feel like whoever picked the songs for it had like a pretty good grasp of like what was about to get big. Like I think like even though Supergrass never really made it big in the states, I f- I feel like like the s- the soundtrack supervisor knew like Britpop is gonna be popular with young people, Ska's gonna get really big with young people. Like it's a good mix of of what people I feel like in middle school and high school listened to at the time. What were you listening to up in uh, UC Santa Cruz in '95? Long. Uh, uh. Bob Dylan, a, a, a lot of stuff actually. It, I think I was really into it, that '90s, early '90s hip hop, like East Coast stuff. Well, and and West Coast, but. Um, so how about Coolio? Were you a co- big Coolio head? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> I was. This <laughs> is like Saphir and, um, you know, De La Soul. A lot, a lot more underground hip hop. So the Coolio appears on um, Clueless soundtrack. I don't know. I think that's that right. when, rolling with the homies, right? That's right. I feel like they use that song just for a punchline. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? The? Well, well, isn't the biggest music punchline in the movie Radiohead though? Is it really? I re- I I vividly remember Fake Plastic Trees. Yeah. Plays basically whenever like. Sharon needs to talk to Josh, you know, Paul Rudd's character. Like, yeah. you know, he's he's the he's the college boy. The grunge thinker or something. <laughs> and so you have like the coffee house like jokes and the goatee and the he's reading like um I think he's reading like Nietzsche or something by the pool, you know, and it's just uh just silly. That's that's right, yeah. He <laughs> But that Paul Rudd, I, you could see like that he was he was going to be a star. Um, so Capitol Records did the soundtrack, and that's why you see a lot of Capitol bands. Um, <clears throat> that I think that's part of the reason why why Radiohead is on the soundtrack. Radiohead, um, I think at this point is still just known as the Creep Band. That's yeah. Great. Yeah, that's so right. I think this is at the beginning of the Ben's, the Ben's promo cycle. So um, they haven't even released High and Dry as a hit. 
So is Ben is the bends when they really start to take off? I mean, I think OK Computer in America is when they really started to take off. I think is that like Karma Police and and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay, that's that's much. That's still a few years away. Yeah. So in America, they released the Benz. Um, the Benz does really well in like Europe, right? The Radiohead is able to conquer most of most of the world with the Benz, except America. Uh, they, I think, Fake Plastic Trees was the first single. I don't think they gained any traction until they released High and Dry as a single, and I think that might have been like their third or fourth song off the Benz um, yep. in general. Um, I I got the soundtrack for Clueless because my sister was working at Capitol at the time. Um, so she's working at Capitol Records. She sends me, you know, I, I'm I'm willing to take anything, you know, free music. So she sends me the Clueless soundtrack, and we almost have like, like um, life almost imitates art. She's like, isn't the Radiohead song great? And I was like, it's kind of boring. <laughs> And she's like, no, Radiohead is, is amazing. And I was like, um, I'm, I'm not really feeling this fake Plastic Trees song. I ended up appreciating a lot more once I, she sent me a copy of the Benz and I got to listen to the whole album. Yeah, like, I didn't get I a want... Radiohead for a while too. Yeah, yeah same, same thing. I, I only knew them just as the, you know, the, the band that sung that Creep song. You know? So I didn't know they were much more than, than that song until <laughs> years later. I remember the when they were really heavily promoting just whatever what's the first album even called Pablo Honey Pablo Honey and like they were on everything playing Creep like I saw them on the Arsenio Hall show <laughs> playing Creep it seemed like they were on everything playing Creep I think creep. they were on it I think they were on MTV Spring Break playing Creep so yeah that was like that was I it took, I think, until um, um, Kid A. I mean, I like, I mean, Karma Police and all of those other ones were okay, I thought, but like, uh, I don't know, but when, but something about that record, Kid A, really appealed to me. I think it was all of the, they they just were finally like on this they sounded like they were on this level that people kept saying they were but i didn't hear it yet how about you long when did you really start getting into radiohead i wouldn't say i i got really into them but i i definitely appreciated them you know more than the the creep song but um i i saw them i saw them in concert uh gosh i don't know when uh, maybe 10 years ago i think it was at the hollywood bowl maybe even longer but uh i i just thought they were really good um they i i wish they would jam out a little bit more <laughs> uh, you know because maybe i was just feeling i was really the, the dead back then i think so <laughs> but but yeah no i i uh yeah i'd say about 10, 12 years ago was when I, you know, because everyone was like, yeah, Radiohead, Radiohead. And so, yeah, I, I went to this concert, went to and saw them in concert. And yeah, it was, they were, they're amazing. Well, there's another, uh, I mean, what's that? Uh, tenderness. 
is um, the ger- the general public song. Yeah, isn't it supposed to be on the tra- soundtrack? Because I feel like it's it, like it ended with tenderness. Yeah, that's the last right? song in the movie. So not on the soundtrack. Yeah, it's. I thought it's. Yeah, it's, it's. So it's not on the soundtrack, right? Yeah, it's not there. Yeah, I don't. I don't see it. So, um, what do you like? I mean, what's missing? Like this general public song's missing for some reason. No doubt. What missing. about what is? No doubt. Oh yeah, the no doubt song's missing. Oh yeah, another one's missing. I think is uh, "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" plays briefly. Yeah, and there I think there's a second Radiohead song that isn't on the soundtrack, My Iron Lung. I think there's a second Boston song as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just tons of music in this movie. And I think that like even when they're not playing music, um, there's a lot of music references. Like there's a character that makes reference to like like where's my cranberries C D or something. Right. And then and then later he's listening to cranberries in the car. And like you, I mean, it's just something you might miss if you weren't really paying attention um, and stuff like that, which I appreciate from a movie that, um, you know, Amy Heckerling, uh, another movie where there's a lot of, uh, a a lot of music uh, iconography and other things going on when music isn't playing is Fast Times at Ridgemont High as well. Oh, for sure. Like even if you go in, if you uh, if you watch that film and you look at the bedrooms of some of the characters, I think, I think Mike, the ticket scalper guy, has all these like Elvis Costello, and like, yep. What other what other bands? I think he's got a Devo poster. Yeah, there's also um, what I noticed was um, Suburban Lawns. Do you guys know this band? Hmm. They're like a weird band. I think they were on Virgin Records. I had never heard of them, um, but uh, um, a guy knew he had um, a video of like a, a maybe like an early like an early MTV video or something or like something that didn't quite make it to MTV of this band. So um, it's like a like a new wave band. So there's something with fast times that i think amy heckerling also does in clueless and she uses music to um to base to basically like differentiate who is cool and who is not and so in fast times um that kid rat ratner he (laughs) wants to go on a date with stacy and then his buddy mike who's clearly like all talk tells him hey let me give you this great plan and one of the points in the plan is to play the first side of led zeppelin full four in the car which he does <laughs> and so cashmere is blasting cashmere, yeah. while they're on this while he's driving stacy to dinner and i feel like she kind of does that with paul rudd and fake plastic trees yeah i think you're right yeah Ah, uh, yeah, I see. Good parallel there. Yeah, very good. Now, wasn't tenderness also on on the Fast Times? Oof, I don't, I don't remember hearing so. that. No, okay. 
I don't know. I think that some of the new wavey stuff, I mean, well, in general public, that's not new wave. What would you call that? I was going to say they're, they're kind of like, I don't Yeah, I, I, I guess it'd be new wave. They, they, they had a little bit of ska to them, right? From the English beat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, that can't be right. Because the Fast Times came out when? 80? I think 82. It's got to be right before okay. Valley Girl. Because you got Nicolas Cage. As Nicolas Coppola. Exactly. Yeah, you noticed. I was looking for him this time. I knew he was in it, but I thought maybe he was a stoner guy. But did you spot him? Yeah, he's at the football game. Oh, you saw him at the football game? I saw him at, um, like he's, I think he's working at uh, the grill or he's working behind the counter at American Burger as well. Oh, I didn't catch that. I caught him at the football game where uh, Forrest Whitaker is just laying waste to the other high school because he thinks they wrecked his car. Oh, yeah. What a, what a, what a lovely scene. I love that. Like, there's the guy, he just, like, pulverizes some guy, and he's just, like, left twitching on the ground. It's hilarious. I love that Forrest Whitaker, though. The the skater dude character in Clueless, I don't know what his name is. Um, He makes a a reference to the Rolling Stones. And so, in Fast Times, um, Spicoli, um, uh, Sean Penn, he... um, he has this whole bit about how Mick Jagger gave him a guitar pick and all of these things, but it's not in the movie. It's only in the edited for television movie. And I think it actually might be in the book too. But so uh, Spicoli wants to spend his, um, he, what is it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a dream sequence and, and he mentions the Rolling Stones. Anyway, this guy, um, the skater dude, <laughs> I can't help but just call him the skater dude. I don't know. The skater dude, he, I'm sure his character has a name. He, uh, he, he refers to like his parents liking the Rolling Stones. And then he likes Nine Inch Nails. And so I just feel like, yeah, but you're not the next Spicoli. I'm sorry. It's just... There, it's the uh, I get what you're trying to do here, but but no. Um, so, did you guys know that Amy Heckerling um, originally? Well, first, it wasn't going to be called Clueless. Uh, Amy Heckerling originally was writing a pilot for TV, and then it t- ended up turning into a movie and. And so, and then, you know, end of the story, it became clueless. But um, she went to 20th Century Fox. <laughs> they told her to make something about teenagers again. And um, so she developed a pilot. And then at some point, um, her agent said, this is too good for TV. You should make it into a movie. Um, did you guys know that Clueless is loosely based off of Jane Austen's novel, Emma? Huh. Hmm. No, no, no. I'll have to ask uh, Shannon about that. I'll have to ask my wife. I think she read that. I never read it. But did you know <laughs> that on, on the subject, didn't they develop, didn't they end up developing Clueless into a TV show after all? Yes. They did it after the movie, a couple years after, I believe. Funny how that worked out. Was she the sole writer? for this for the movie or I yeah she I'd wrote and directed it she, okay okay 
So uh, famously, Cameron Crowe wrote Fast Times based on his book, based on his research that he did with Rolling Stone where he went undercover to high school. But I think that he carried over a lot of that like music um, references and all of his movies were always like really music heavy um, as well. So did you guys read any of his like the when he when he wrote for Rolling Stones or Cream or I read I read the Fast Times of Ridgemont High book. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I it's out of print, um, or at least it was when I had when I found a copy of it, like a used bookstore. Um, but that's the only thing of his I've ever read. But I would be interested in um looking at some of that stuff because um almost famous obviously um deals with that yeah i mean he was like 15 or something when he you know was writing for the wrong stones well when clueless was being developed as a tv show before the actual tv show um it was at one point called no worries and (laughs) then at another time it was called i was a teenage teenager Hmm. So it was always, it was destined to be a satire no matter what. Yeah. So when Amy Heckerling was told to do something about teenagers again, um, she agreed to do it only if she could like make fun of them. Okay. Like this time, because you know, fast times is it fast times is not a satire. Fast times is a movie. I feel like, trying to portray what the the teenage experience is in a lot of different ways. Um, Clueless is a satire of like these teenagers that really don't have any problems. Mm -hmm. And uh, Fast Times was developed into a television series as well. I really have no, I had no idea. I'm not sure. Have you seen that long? No, I, I, I didn't know. Yeah, I think it was just called Fast Times. I'm not sure anybody, like, this is without doing any research. I just know it exists. I feel like maybe um, um, Ray Walston reprises his role as Mr. Hand. You know, I saw him in, uh, I think it was like uh, South Pacific. He played a, a character in the, <laughs> in the movie. I was like, dude, I... I know this guy somewhere. I looked it up and sure enough, yeah, it was Mr. Han. In what? Uh, South Pacific, I think. He was in South Pacific? Yeah, just, yeah, Gee the movie. He was. Yeah. yeah, he was old, man. I always knew him. I know he's my favorite Martian, but I always knew him as um, Poop Deck Pappy from Popeye. Oh. Did you guys yeah. ever see um, Robert Altman's Popeye? No, I have not. Oh, man. I can't believe it long. You've got to see this movie. And it, like the whole soundtrack is um, written by Harry Nilsson. Okay. Um, Ryan, you know the movie. Um, Punch Drunk Love, right? They use um, yeah, um, He Needs Me right. um, in that movie. Um, yeah, that's a good one. For that's what When I was a kid, that's all I knew Ray Walston from was Poop Deck Pappy. All right. <laughs> you know what? Well, I was looking at the Fast Times soundtrack. It, that it's mostly classic rock. I mean, it's like Eagles, like Joel yeah. Walsh, Don Felder. 
Yeah, yeah a lot of that stuff was written for the film, I think. Really? Yeah, and, Amy, and Amy Heckerling didn't didn't want it that way. She what? she wanted more of a new wave soundtrack because that's what young people were listening to, and I think that's why in in the the movie there's a lot of there's a lot of pushing back against like classic rock, like you know, like Mike's trying to sell this girl like tickets to Cheap Trick, and he's like going through like. You know, I want you to want me, and you know he's quoting ly- lyrics from Surrender, and she's just like super not interested. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 funny. So that's kind of like maybe a, like an inside joke. Yeah, she. I I think there's an interview where she's like, I wanted it to be like Talking Heads, and like what was cool then, like not not mm-hmm. the Eagles. Not yeah, the Eagles. they got also or Jackson but- Brown. <laughs> Oh yeah, somebody's baby, Jackson Brown. Like you probably dig that one, Long, don't you? Uh, yeah, I like Jackson Brown. <laughs> and, that, yeah. and that song showed I, I like up like a couple too. times in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Eagles. Um, I never, I, I don't get it. I just, I mean, <laughs> I never got it. I don't get it. It's not my. It's not for me. It's not my cup of tea. I like but, rock um, and I like country. So, <laughs> but of course, I'd say that like this is. I mean, we're talking about. Tom Petty in 1995, I think it was Last Dance with Mary Jane. But in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, it was They Used American Girl, which was probably like five years old at this time. Right. But like one of the most, um, I don't know, instantly recognizable classic Tom Petty tracks. I love this song. Yeah, and it was probably not overused at that point. Not overused at this point, but also like, I mean... Um, do you think it's been overused or is it just because like the strokes ripped it off is that it feels like it's been overused at this point (laughs) well I think now if you were to use it in a movie it would just seem like like on the nose true is that one of those is that has has American Girl become one of those songs where like like those songs we were talking we've talked about on other shows like it's just obvious it's who let the dogs out i mean it's not quite to that level but we've got they used girls just want to have fun in clueless that was 25 years ago they used it again in valley girl 2020 (laughs) is it just like that like lazy to use american girl anymore i don't think it's on the level of girls just want to have fun but I think that you would you would you almost would have to use it in a subversive way at this point. Has it appeared in Stranger Things? No, because it's not a it's not an '80s song. Okay, but it's in an '80s movie. I don't think Stranger Things has that nuance. Okay. Well, let, let's jump back to the Clueless soundtrack. Um, let's do that. You know, I I think it has a pretty good feel for like what a young person in the '90s would listen to, except for like Cracker and Counting Crows. I'm not so <laughs> sure about them. Oh yeah, when I heard that Counting Crows, I was like, I still can't stand this band. <laughs> Same here. I'm just like, this is. I, I still I yeah I still feel the same way that I did 25 years ago. Sorry, Counting Crows, but not for me. I didn't know it was the BC Boys in in their um, punk style um, when, during the skateboarding scene. 
is one of is a Beastie Boys song. I don't know if it was for the movie or if it was like Pollywog Stew. I think it came from. I think it was the what was it? Um, like mullet, mullet head. It's from Ill Communication. Yeah, yeah, it's from Ill Communication. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. I never, I never, I, I never owned Ill Communication. I didn't know that was on there. I think yeah. I skipped that one and I went to, I think I went from like check your head to um, then the next one I had after that was hello nasty. Okay. Um, mullet head is a, is like a B side from the ill communication ses- sessions. So it's that, but it's like that hardcore, it's like their hardcore it's style. Like their like, punk, yeah. They're like punk. New York hardcore or DC hardcore, you know, like, yeah, they were big on like the bad brains. Yeah, stuff like that. But like they're like it breaks. I guess what what gives it away is being more of a, a of a '90s track instead of like an earlier one. Is that it um, gets into this breakdown that sounds very Rage Against the Machine, like. <laughs> you know yeah you mentioned you grew up in huntington beach so like how authentic do you think that like the jeff spicoli surfer dude character is Uh, somewhat uh, i think somewhat yeah they're they're definitely you know that character you know (laughs) you know uh in in you know growing up in huntington in the late you know, late eighties, early nineties. Um, but yeah, but there are also this like a uh, skater, you know, group too, where they're listening to, you know, hardcore music. So that was another big scene in, in Orange County, uh, you know, during that time, early nineties was, uh, was, uh, hardcore. Um, the hardcore scenes was, was, pretty big what would have been uh like a huntington beach like hardcore band oh sheesh um, yeah. <laughs> 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 um huntington beach to see hunger farm was was a band that was pretty big uh actually uh it's, this girl I knew, her her brother Bill was was in that band. Um, gosh, I'm I'm just drawing a blank on on all the, the the big hardcore bands. But would that BC Boys song like in Clueless like fit the bill though? Like yeah. what this is like what Capitol Records has on offer for hardcore? Yeah, uh, kind of. Yeah, that 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 was more punk than than hardcore. I think. Sure, I mean, it's Capitol Records, so yeah. I mean, <laughs> Ryan, did you ever get get to go inside Capitol Records building? No, my sister worked in the uh, New York branch. So there's this film came out maybe a year after Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It was Nick Cage's starring role, our first starring role. It's called Valley Girl. It's an LA movie. Have you seen it long? Uh, no, I, no, I have not, but I know about it. Okay. So, um, without getting too deep into it, uh, we 
kind of we talked about that there's been a recent remake of it and so uh-huh. i i watched the remake and now i had just seen fast times at ridgemont high and i'm and i've seen it so many times but i didn't make the connection so um there's the opening scene of valley girl 2020 uses the same opening song that fast times at ridgemont high does which is the go goes we got the beat and Valley Girl 83 opens with a montage of the mall. And so does Valley Girl 2020. And so does Fast Times at Ridgemont High. They all open with a with like a mall montage. But Valley Girl 2020, instead of using the song from Valley Girl 83, they use the song from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Huh. They're like playing homage to or like actually in a way doing a remake of a completely different movie other than uh, other than the one that they've named themselves after and i only bring this up because alicia silverstone is in valley girl 2020 and clueless and so it's just uh this big uh (laughs) this big ball of intertwining um, references to each other that um, I'm still still getting a handle on. Damon's got this corkboard in his room where it looks like he's trying to find <laughs> the Zodiac killer, but it's just about these movies all being intertwined together. <laughs> all right. If, but but it uh, also but Valley Girl 2020 also has like that cheesy epilogue of like where the characters are now, which also Fast Times at Ridgemont High has. Yeah, yeah, and I, I that so now I know that like they opened and closed this remake of a different movie the same way that they opened and closed Fast Signs of Ridgemont High. It's odd, right? Yes, it's I, odd, and I and I can tell that you were furious that this movie <laughs> in twenty twenty is like tainting these 80s movies that you hold so dearly to your heart. Anyways, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, <laughs> Long and Damon. Um, you can check out Joel Division on SoundCloud, even though we haven't posted anything recently because of this pandemic. Um, check, out the, check out the Soundtrack Your Life website and um, leave us a note <clears throat> if uh, Clueless or Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, if they've triggered any personal stories that you'd like to share with us. Thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, thanks for having having us. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, soundtrackyourlife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.